The following program does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Reality Radio 101, its advertisers and sponsors, or its listening audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Liquid Green Health Show with your hosts Fred and Janet Cox right here on Reality Radio 101. To get on board, send us an email. Our email address is liquidgreenhealthshow at gmail.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, right to your hosts of the Liquid Green Health Show, Fred and Janet Cox. And good afternoon. Yes, it is 5.30. Yes, it is Sunday. And yes, it is the 20th of August. Year is almost done. We're in it's August. quickly approaching. Yeah. Don't remind me. <laughs> summer, three, you know, just a month of summer left. Yeah. Good afternoon, everyone, to all our listeners and viewers across Canada, the United States, and around the world. We are the Coxes, and thank you for allowing us into your private space once again, uh, every once Sunday. Again. Once again, once again, once again, and get that right. Once again, once again, once again, every Sunday, we have fun on air, offering tips in an edutainment format designed to stimulate the mind and help bring us one step closer to living a healthier lifestyle. Okay, um, today's show will be rebroadcast on uh, YouTube as well as Spotify, and you could just go in, type in Liquid Green Health Show, and uh, you know, uh, hit the like, share, comment, subscribe buttons, everything, even the bell, just ring it, give us that much needed boost. Once again, folks, welcome to the Liquid Green Health Show. What is happening in North America? We have fires burning all over the place, you know, left, right, and center every day. You wake up, you global look on the news, something is happening, and they're blaming it in global warming. Right now in uh, Kelowna, BC, we have Yellowknife evacuations that's going on. Uh, the city is, you know, has declared a emergency. Uh, how people are running, you know, left, right, and center together. It's, it's the one of the only times when an entire city mm-hmm. had to be evacuated. Like yeah, everybody it's, it's in the chaos, city. chaos down yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some 300 kilometers away from Vancouver is uh, Kelowna. And, there. Um, you haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. And you missed that trip, Carl. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. With yeah. a population of just about 150,000 people, and uh, the situation is grim. Uh, Premier David Eddy, you know, he told reporters this morning, uh, rather yesterday, that mm-hmm. some 35,000 people were under evacuation order, and a further 30,000 were under. Not an evacuation alert. alert. But yes, this morning, yeah. mm-hmm. this morning, I, I think, um, according to the fire chiefs, 
things are beginning to look a little better. Better. Okay. Right? Do you so, know? Do you, do you know what I think? Mm -hmm. I I think about this because we have been talking about like last week we talked about addiction. We're following it up with part two today, but yeah. I'm thinking of the people who know what can happen. Mm -hmm. They know they've tried to pack just the essentials from your home. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how much stress and anxiety that is to know that you might never go back to your house? Yeah. Or, you, you know, you're going to lose family. everything that you cherished. Right. Yeah. And uh, no, I always no think about that. Not no the things, but even in like, you know, the, the, the situation they had in um, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you don't know if your loved ones are yeah, that, that still alive or are they dead. Or, yeah. It's just a level of anxiety that's just so awful. And speaking anyway, about anxiety, you're about to experience some don't anxiety. Don't rush. Yeah. Yes, folks, I am going skydiving. This crazy partner of mine, <laughs> folks, there she has decided to go skydiving. <laughs> and um, thanks to our kids, they've, you know, they've given her this gift. Uh, it's going to be for my 70th birthday. It's my present. I have made a conscious decision not to get involved. I'll be there with my camera and a ladder just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what they say about skydiving is this. There are two types of people in the world. They're the ones the that crazies say... Crazies and the non-crazies. They're the ones that say, like Janet, oh my God, I'm so wanting to do this. And the other side, like Fred, who says, oh my God, are you kidding? Doing it. Never. Right. And that's basically the reaction. When I tell people about it, some say, oh, my goodness, that sounds so great. You know, probably one day I'll try it. Yeah. And then the other says, why would I want to do something so crazy or so risky? But you, you, you know, you're always dreaming about flying. You have so many yeah. dreams that you've experienced flying. So now here you got an opportunity to. Yes, I do the actual thing. I actually was reading something because just today I started looking. It's, it's actually one of the things like everybody remembers the polar dip. That's now history. Now it's the skydive. And it's one of it's not a check on the bucket list. Right. But I'm looking forward to that free fall, because what it says is that free fall. It's not just about falling like room straight down like a drop drop zone mm. at um, a fun fair. Right. It says you can actually manipulate the air. You can do forward, flying backward. You can glide side to side. You can turn right, turn to left. Not that I'll be doing that because I'm jumping tandem. Mm -hmm. And when you jump tandem, there is an experienced instructor that's going to be there. And then you have nothing to worry about but to enjoy the ride. Just write your will, please, before you go. <laughs> okay. So, Gary, Mike, I know we were talking before. You both had the experience, right? Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So, Mike, how was your experience? Uh, it was relaxing in the training, scary mm -hmm. in the plane, and very peaceful as I fell to the ground. Wow. Uh, okay. That's how, how I can put it in a, you know a few short words. What about yourself, Gary? Did you? Yeah, uh, kind of what Mike said, but you know, but I, but not the plane. I didn't get nervous there because I, I, I'm a pilot, right? So yeah. But the the training was kind of relaxing, but you had anxiety. Uh, and then, you know, I was buckled up, as I say, my first time is tandem. And, mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of weird, like a cocoon, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, the second jump was a little bit less frightening. And then the third jump was, I would say, okay, no issues at all. 
Okay. How did you hit the ground? Uh, were you okay? First time um, was pretty soft. Second time was hard. Yeah. And the third time was uh, semi-hard. Okay. Yeah. So need, no need for her to walk with any toilet paper, right? <laughs> yes, I would have the double roll. But, you know, people say skydiving is like getting a tattoo. You can't just do it once. You know, once. well, you'll either do it and never do it again. Mm-hmm. Or you'll do it and, you know, the rush, the dopamine is like you want to do it over and over again. Which, Frederick, brings us right to the topic point. of addiction. So which it's is not, what... before you go there, so it's yourself and Kofi that's doing it. Kofi right? is going to jump with okay. it. Oh, wow. That's that's a gift from the kids, folks. And Kira, Kira, um, I thought she was going to jump as well. And she's she very much like her dad. Kids. Very no, much like her dad. Don't take the risks. No, I think she just said not right now, not right now. I think she wants her kids to grow up a little bit bigger. So I don't know, but I thought she was going to jump. Smart kid, <laughs> smart kid. Oh dear. So we have a very interesting topic um, today. Uh, it's a continuation of last week's topic, yes, in which sir. we asked the question: Is addiction a, a disease? And we came to what conclusion? Uh, well, we've you know, basically came to the same conclusion as the experts. They say, yes, it is a medical condition that affects the brain and changes a person's behavior. And so we've decided to, you know what, because we had so much to talk about last week that you can't, we couldn't do it in an hour. And trust me, folks, an hour goes so quickly. We have so much information. We have three days worth of information that we have to compile into one hour. And, you know, that's what it is today. This is such a a detailed topic that we, you know, we have to um, really praise it down and make sense of what we did so we can pass the information on to, to our audience. So get your friends, tell them that the coxes are on and it's a very important subject. You're listening to Liquid Green Health Show on Reality Radio 101. We are the coxes and like all other illnesses, addiction gets worse over time. You know, similar to various stages of cancer. We mentioned this last yes, week. All right. Exactly. There are levels of severity to describe a substance use disorder. That's what it's called now, substance use disorder, SUDs, ranging from at risk to severe. And, um, you know, as we mentioned last week, it is based on, based on our research, all the experts have agreed. And I have come to the conclusion that I, I need to, you know, given to this because i always say look it's not it's not a disease it's a condition yeah right yes. and, and i've always said that Thought. yeah right? they can but, do better yeah snap out of it so i snapped out of that you know belief <laughs> yeah. uh it is a medical condition that affects the brain and changes a person's behavior today we will continue the discussion on addiction we will delve into the intricate web of i'm not sure what that is into the intricate web web of uh substance addiction because this kind of, of addiction is considered a pervasive social uh, societal issue. Mm-hmm. It's an issue that can shatter lives and communities, leaving a trail of devastation in its way. Yes. Right? Um, if you think about it, if somebody is addicted, and what do, what happens to those people in families? Sometimes you go, they're ostracized. They're no longer welcome Stigmatized. to any of yep. the family functions. Mm-hmm. They're they're embarrassing. They're they might cause trouble. Mm-hmm. So you know when you look when they if they ever come back and get out of that addiction, I'm sure they'll go through the family album and say, "How come I'm not there? 
Yeah. Because that's the stigma, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's one of the most stigmatized things that people think, you know, it's his fault, it's her fault. Yeah, yeah. And, and, there and there's a lot of self-blame as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're going to get into that. Um, but one of the things I want to bring our, our bring to the attention of our audience is the government's response, yeah. right? How they deal with certain types of uh, this disease, uh, especially you go back to the crack cocaine and, and, the, and the Oxycontin and now fentanyl, and right? even, which is a crisis. Yes, and even right. meth, because there's yeah. been, first of all, it was wide like range, Rona, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. then meth and crack and Oxycontin and now fentanyl. fentanyl right. Right? right. And while all of these substances ravage the lives of individuals uh, and communities, the media, the police, uh, ju the judicial system, and the government, they have all adopted a, a disparate treatment towards the disadvantaged mm -hmm. and, and ethnic groups. And to this day, you know, it, it raises questions and, and, and issues about the equity and compassion. Correct. 100% correct. Yeah. Because that's what we said in the blurb we sent out that in the 80s, Right when yeah. we had the epidemic, uh, mm -hmm. when when crack yeah. was the big thing, mm -hmm. sure there was crack and there was heroin, yeah. right? And one was just a powdered form, while one was in, a, a, in stone, a stone, a brick, stone brick right? Form, yeah. And the way the, in which it was approached, like the government, who was it? Which was the president at the time? Uh, I think Richard it was Nixon. Nixon, Nixon, yeah. At the time, that he declared the whole thing about war on yeah. drugs. That's where the that term. That's where approach. the term was coined, right? Yeah, war on drugs. And then that led to the mass incarceration. Yeah, and that, that was back in seventy-one when he made those statements. And oh, as early as yeah, he referred to it as as public enemy number one. Right. Right. But the thing is, in that message, there were other things in the text that the media did not pick up on because his main his main uh, priority was to see how you could deal with the 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 overuse of this drug right. and what can be done what kind of resources could be could be filtered through to help the people but the media picked up on the phrase war on drugs correct right and then what we realized Sense it, yeah is that there was a there was really a disproportionate mm -hmm. in terms it in terms of how it affected the communities of color. Yes. Now, I don't know if it's real or, or conspiracy, but they say that the drugs were actually placed in certain Black communities. Yeah, that's what I heard. Right? Yeah. And there's a lot of research, there's a lot of evidence that that might have been true. Mm -hmm. And that was with the CIA, etc. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So as to discredit certain communities. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. But we're really going to look at the difference because... As you you were talking about OxyContin, right, and the crisis in twenty, in twenty in the two thousands, how yeah. was that different? Well, it's 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 the approach that that the the government and society mm -hmm. as a whole, based on media reports, how they mm -hmm. approach the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, the the crisis with the OxyContin it started in the two thousands, yeah, and they saw there there was a more um, uh, sympathetic response. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, mm -hmm. with an increased focus on treatment um, that was addressing the underlying health issues, yeah. and I and so and, there the stigma like it, it they weren't as ready to 
they, they weren't as ready to incarcerate. No. They, because they figure, okay, this is a problem and they're recognizing it's a disease and they, it was much less painful yeah. for the communities. And we're thinking because it was a difference with race. It became almost no, a racial It was, it, it was because at, at the time right? it, 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 was, it mm -hmm. was more prevalent within white communities. Yes. Right. And as a result, the, the, the whole response was mm -hmm. different. Whereas back in in the day when when crack was yeah. you know, prevalent in the black community, it was looked upon as uh, um, a, racial a pariah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And it's a it it, it was treated totally totally and different. Incarcerations yeah. became you know was much very punitive, very That's punitive, was, right? very punitive mm -hmm. um, in the black community. Yeah, where the same amount of of crack. Mm -hmm. Um, it was 100 to 1. What yeah, it was something it was, like 100 to 1 in terms of incarceration. Yeah. Of crack. Yeah. And you would get like five years in jail. Yes. And that's mostly in the black community. Yeah. But 500 grams of heroin, mm -hmm. you would, that's what it would take. So that they said it was 1 to 100. Yes. You would have to be caught with 100 grams of, I mean, what is it, milligram or five whatever? Grams. Of, uh, the heroin yeah. Yeah. for it to have the same sentence right. as one. So as a result, that's why they said yeah, it was so unfair. As a result, the incarceration rate among black people, black people, Some black people and Hispanics, jail for those days. You yeah, know, black and Hispanics was much yeah. more, you know, draconian, yeah. and that's why you have that many black folks in jail. And you know what I wanted to mention here, Frederick, is the fact that it's not just the individual that's affected. It's not just the person who is the addict that's using the drug. It's the entire family, yeah. right? It's, it's the, fa the, the individual, yeah, it's the, individual the family, the community. It's a whole range of things. It's, it's right. almost like a whole village that has been affected. Mm -hmm. right. And and so, and so that's why it is so, it is so bad. Yeah. Uh, when you look at how it devastates, you know, individuals and everything else that it, is aligned with them, Right. It's it's awful. It's a terrible uh, health mm -hmm. impact that it has on 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 uh, on people that take these um these drugs. Yeah. Now, um, I want to touch on the illegal drug use. Right. Like in, in many countries, illicit drugs is a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. It's an ongoing problem in Canada and the United States, and it is now becoming worldwide. It's even get going into countries in Africa, which never used to happen, right? Right. Drug use in Africa was basically zero. Not the kind of drugs that we have now anyway. There no, were drugs- not, that, not those kind of synthetic drugs. Right. They, 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 yeah. they always had their own natural thing that yeah. they Yeah, every community has yeah. had that. But every not, culture. not to the, the, the state that it People is are dying right now. The right, and so, we have, in particular in North America, countries like the United States and Canada, they are experiencing an opioid crisis, mm -hmm. which has seen increases in hospitalizations and death, uh, death mm -hmm. overdose, you know, um, due to heroin, uh, oxycontin, and now fentanyl. Mm -hmm. And there are other types of opioids that is um, that has been introduced. And the thing is, it's the is the impure quality of these things that is being introduced by you know people who are selling these drugs. Look, we were looking at the at the documentary today, and the guy was saying they can buy uh, four hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, three hundred fifty dollars worth of fentanyl, 
mm-hmm. from China, get it mm-hmm. shipped, get pay $50 fifty extra fifty dollars the delivery, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And that four hundred dollars, he can make twelve thousand dollars. It may no what twelve hundred dollars. No, a hundred and twenty dollars a gram, and yeah. they can make a thousand grams. So that four hundred dollar investment can turn into about over a hundred thousand dollars in profit. Right. So that is why people are selling it, yes. and you it's have users that want it. And and the amazing thing that he said was that mm-hmm. when people hear that someone has died from this yes. from this um, drug. They rush to get more. Yeah, because then they say, oh, this is really yeah, good. Yeah, well, what they're really saying good. to themselves, oh, I'm not going to use as much as that person yeah. did. I'm going to use half as much or a quarter as much. Not but it is such a control. deadly thing, you know, that just a whiff of it yeah. can kill you. Yes. And it's packed with all other types. It's 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 this but, synthetic opioids mm-hmm. and other stuff that's put into it, hair mixed with heroin, sugar, and all sorts of nonsense. And yeah. people are smoking these things, you know? Because the heroin was actually legalized at some point, right? Mm-hmm. From morphine that was used for pain. The whole conversation actually starts when we start talking about pain and the pain that people go through. Yes. Right? Yeah. And we're not talking about jumping out of a plane and breaking your leg. No, look, look at that again in the, in, the, in, the, in the documentary. You had that gentleman that was hit from behind on in a cycle. cycle. Yeah. And he broke just about every bone in his body. <laughs> Even his teeth he lost, right? right? And so he was in severe pain. So there's a physical pain, but there's also the emotional pain. Yes. pain. Yeah. Did you lose a child? Yeah. At, you know, was there a death in the family? They tried was there a it. divorce? Was there a relationship yeah. breakdown? So there's so many different reasons. Mm -hmm. There's always a core issue why people take that first whiff or that first snort or that first needle. It starts only with one. And that's why we always say, don't try it. Because as a person, you don't, you have no idea how you're going to react to it. And and from what we know through the research, we find out that most people, when they buy it, they have no idea what that dose is going to be. And the seller, That's the seller in the documentary say. was saying the same thing. Yeah. Like you get this, like when people buy it, mm-hmm. you tell them, you know, they say to him, I'm, oh, I'm not going to use all of it. And they eventually go and go and use all of it. And in many cases, end up with uh, with an overdose. Yeah. And the, the last thing he said to one of the purchasers, the, he says, "It's your life, buddy." Yeah. Uh, and you know why do why do the sellers sell? Because they got to make money. They got to eat. They're going to make money. And if they figure, like any other business, if if you're not buying it from me. You're going to buy it from somebody else. They're going to go to the drugstore and they're going to buy Claritin and all the other, you know, um, sleep aids. All the the other sleep aids. And they're going to overdose on that anyway. Now, as of 2020, um, 2020, around 25% of Canadians stated that they felt opioid addiction, overdose, and death in Canada was on the rise. 44% believed it to be a serious problem. Almost 18% of Canadians reported that they have used an illegal drug at some point in their lifetime mm-hmm. with hallucinogens being the, the most um, used illegal drug, followed by cocaine or crack and ecstasy. And then, of course, there's cannabis, which is still considered an illicit, an illicit drug. Ganja, man. Ganja, <laughs> right? 
Um, a lot of people, you know, they smoke it basically for the same reasons to ease pain or whatever. Some of them for medical purposes. Or just for that feeling of euphoria that you get for that yeah. dopamine rush, right? My take on that, and I, I said it last week, if you're smoking anything at all, other than air, <laughs> right? You're smoking air? If you're, sm- if you're not smoking air, you're putting poison into your lungs, right? So regardless of how you feel, folks, if, you, if you're if you not on these, you know, high-octane uh, drugs and you're taking um, cannabis or marijuana or whatever you want to call it, if you're smoking it, you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, it's right. on my bucket list as well. Try yeah, you marijuana. can try it. I haven't tried it yet. But it's definitely one of the things. But I won't try it before the jump. Let's put it that way, right? <laughs> but then we're so we're as as people, as society, we're we're conditioned to think that some are worse than others. For example, weed. I don't think weed. I I don't think anybody would think weed is as much an issue. Certainly, the governments don't because they have legalized it, right? Weed is not as big, or alcohol. It's it is you can get an addiction. An overdose of any one of them. Yes. Any one of them. It depends on the person's mind and their ability to cope with what it is. Yes. You know? So you you we have the gray drinkers, the one who think, oh, I'll just take a drink now and a glass of wine now. Next thing you know, the bottle is done. And you're still functioning. Not, you're not going to end up being one of yeah, those. Yeah, but that's that's one bottle. But if they do that, function. If they, as an if you addict. do that on a regular basis, then you fall into the category of uh, an alcoholic. That's right? what I'm saying. But uh, it's it's is it the degree of the addiction, the degree of what you take that makes it such a problem? Because if you it have, is. Everybody I know, all my brothers, sisters, every all the friends, they're surprised I don't have not tried ganja, right? Marijuana. But it doesn't hamper their lives. It doesn't, you know, it's not the same. Because they're not no, they're not taking it one try. They're not taking it to a degree where it could. But I'm I'm saying it doesn't matter what degree it is, if you're putting anything into your lung other than air. You're doing some kind of damage. Sure, I'm not saying some kind that's of damage. Not true, I'm not saying that's not true. But I'm saying is the f- effect it has on the person is different. If you, it may take longer. Fentanyl. Yeah. If you tried like four, it's it's four grains, four grains, of, four grains of salt. Yes. That's the you're equivalent dead. that can kill you. You're dead. There's, right. There's no question about it. You <laughs> you are dead. And you don't even so you you it's not in the same boat. No, it's not in the same category. It's, it's, it's not as toxic as Trying I mean marijuana is not as toxic as those those drugs, yeah. right? But I'm saying marijuana could be just as toxic depending on the severity in, in which you and how you take it. If you're doing it, mm-hmm. if you're smoking it on a regular basis, I'm not talking about eating it or drinking it or whatever, right? I am saying even if it's for medicinal purposes and you're smoking it, the fact that you're putting a foreign substance into your lungs at some point in time, it is going to affect you. Yes, that's the same as all the toxins we talk about all the time. Yeah. The toxins in there are cleaners, yeah. right? It's the same effect. Same effect. But anyway. Right. Now, never um, <laughs> the, 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 there's also a cultural and political difference between crack and cocaine. Right, you mean One, between cocaine and the opioids? Yeah, right? I, I mean and the opioids. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. One, which is crack, is a derivative of 
powdered cocaine. Right. I don't know what to do with it to turn it into the state that it is. Russian. Right. Uh, uh, crack it's, cocaine is is more affordable, definitely cheaper. and accessible, mm-hmm. accessible rather than powdered cocaine. So it's the poor people's choice of drugs. It's the poor right? people's so... choice of drugs, right? Uh, the the term crack cocaine is loaded with connotations of stigma and discrimination. Again, yes, they call you a crackhead. They don't call you a cocaine head or a meth head, right? You're a crackhead. So it has that negative connotation to it. And again, because of where it was first, um, uh, where it was used, right? And distributed en masse, right? You have um, the media, right? That, that, That negative stigma was was really driven by the media in the US right and it depicts people in urban societies right um it it, it so called it, it created a kind of a health crisis primarily affecting black communities in american cities and so because of that the way the media portrayed it it left an image of negativity in the minds of the general public and people started looking at that as you know yeah. something. So that's where that's a big stigma. Right. So in, and now instead of addressing the use of crack along with uh, socioeconomic conditions, they they address it from a racial standpoint, and that's that's yeah. a big problem. You know, it wasn't until I think it was eight, 1986. Remember that basketball star, the black player? Yeah, his name was Len Len yeah. Bias. He had just been given a contract. I forget which team it was he was going to join. And just shortly after that, he, he was he was he died of a crack overdose. Oh, that's what and they said. That yeah. became a big. That's when the public. He became a symbol outcry, now. Yeah, it right? became the public he, he became a symbol mm-hmm. now of the dangers of crack cocaine, and the, you know the media again. They went, they jumped in it, and they said, "Well, this is what happens when you do that." Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think a law was passed. Yeah, the good thing about it was that law that came about, the Anti-Drug Abuse Act in 86. Okay. Now, you know what? Mm -hmm. Before we get into what led to the opioid crisis, I think we should break for commercial. Okay. And then we're going to come back. So let me tell the folks that they're listening to the Liquid Green Health Show. We are the Coxes, and you're listening to us on Reality Radio 101. We'll be right back after this. Join the eco-revolution with the Liquid Green Products Reseller Program. Are you passionate about sustainability? Ready to make an impact while earning extra cash? Then look no further. Get on board with Liquid Green Products and become a part of our reseller program. Why us? We're not just another eco-friendly company. We are a movement for a greener future. Join our reseller program and be an advocate for sustainable living and enjoy the benefits of a profitable business venture. What makes us special? Our eco-friendly products are top-notch, made with plant-based ingredients. They're safe for your customers and the planet. From household to industrial use, we've got the perfect eco-solution for everyone. As a liquid green products reseller, 
you'll make great profits and gain access to our marketing goodies, including product catalogs, promotions, and digital assets. We'll train you on our products so you can impress customers with the benefits. We're all about strong partnerships, so we're here to support your success. Together, we'll create a sustainable future, reduce footprints, and inspire eco-conscious choices that make a difference. To learn more and to sign up for this amazing income potential, please visit our website at www.liquidgreenproducts.com reseller or call us at 416-460-5645. That's 416-460-5645. Start making a difference and start earning a profit today with the Liquid Green Products Reseller Program. Saving the planet with one clean at a time. Welcome back to the Liquid Green Health Show with your hosts, Fred and Janet Cox, right here on Reality Radio 101. Contact us live right now. Our email address is liquidgreenhealthshow at gmail.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, right back to your hosts of the Liquid Green Health Show, Fred and Janet Cox. Okay, we're back. We're back. We're back. And uh, our conversation today is all about addiction and uh, the opioid crisis and all those crazy types of drugs that's on the market. We are the Coxes, and uh, this is the Liquid Green Health Show. And um, welcome back to our show. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Liquid Green Health Show. Now, um, we were going to talk about what led to the opioid crisis. and uh, according to, I think it was in February, February 2022 report from the Stanford Lancet Commission on the North American Opioid Crisis, um, they're saying that this is a major crisis, right? As a matter of fact, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. what they're saying is that the COVID issue that we had, the pandemic, yes, addiction is like it's it's going to be it's before it's mm-hmm. con- it's during covid which yeah. actually made it worse and it will continue and that it's going to be it's much 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 of a bigger problem than covid or sars ever was yeah. and yet the government came in and they created the 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 what you call it the, the, vaccine. the vaccine they did all sorts of things they put millions and millions and millions of dollars into it and yet they're not doing that in the same kind of urgency yeah. with addiction, which is a much bigger problem. And there's a reason right? for it. You know, there's a there's a big mm-hmm. reason for it. Money talks. Mm-hmm. Lobbyists, you know, they do what they have to do to avoid certain restrictions. Yeah. The pandemic has, has really masked and you, yes, yes, both yes, masked and amplified mm-hmm. the, the crisis mm-hmm. of, of this um, drug thing. But there's there's a there's a warning. And the warning is that Unless there's urgent intervention, they're predicting that 1.2 million people 
in the US and Canada will die from opioid overdoses by the end of the decade. That is in addition to the 600,000 or more people that have died since 1999. So 1.2 million plus the 600,000 people that have died. That is the prediction that we're, we're facing, right? That's the, the dilemma rather that we're facing. So yes, it is a major, major crisis. The current opioid crisis ranks as one of the most devastating public health catastrophes of our time. And it started, as we said earlier, back in the 90s, mm -hmm. when the powerful agent of OxyContin, you saw the movie, um, Pain uh, was it Painkillers? Recently, right? yeah. Which was mm -hmm. promoted by Purdue Pharma and approved by the Food and Drug Administration, triggered the first wave of deaths linked to the use of illegal prescription opioids. Mm -hmm. That is because Purdue lied um, about the about effects, the, the effects of, of it. This is just about 1%, mm -hmm. which was a huge lie. The effect of the ones who would become addicted. Yeah. Right? Huge so lie. it does help if you have pain, mm -hmm. but what they don't tell you is that... Uh, you can the, be addicted to it. Yeah. It's death by medication. Yeah. Right? Which is a big problem. Yeah. Because I forget the percentage, but they say a huge percentage of people die because of medication right. and the effects, the side effects. But, you know... I like to talk about the human side. Mm -hmm. Somebody, when you when you see one of those ads on TV about any of the new drugs they're trying to sell, oh, it's a good ad. What the ads it's are a great, very good ad. But what follows the ads? All the side effects. The side effects, and including they tell you, death. Including death. <laughs> including death. What happens? We still take them. Doctors still prescribe them, and they're still given out as because, a deal. Because when you go as a as a, a patient, you go and you sit in front of a person that's wearing a white coat. And you believe that, It's a right? representation of purity. And that person speaks nice and calmly to you, use a lot of psychology in you, and you fall for the trap. You but fall guess for what? It. It's the exact same. Translate that into the heroin or the fentanyl addict. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what it's going to do. We just said that some of them here that it's going to be, it could kill you. Yeah, but when but you they sit, still decide to take it. Because yeah, because, because when you they, sit in front of these professionals, there's a there's a, a period where it's it's almost like suspension of disbelief, right? You're sitting you there. You believe everybody, most, so many people just believe what their doctor says yes. without any question. No, but no questions asked. But the, the analogy I'm trying to draw is that just in the same way that we hear the ads or the doctors know what the side effects can be, but for lack of some of the other the doctors really know, they know because they've been. They all know. Uh, probably or they, they just don't go by know, what they're told. But they've been paid to do it. They have. Uh, they've been told it works. Probably yes. it works in some instances. But of course they know that there are other options. Of course they know about the addictions, etc. Yeah, right? they do. But, but it comes my down. point is, my yeah. point wasn't about that. I'm not trying to diss doctors, right? My point was that. Even though somebody knows that something is bad for them, mm -hmm. when you're an addict, you when you're in pain. Yes, you need relief. You have pain, you need relief. and you want yes. from whatever that core issue that you yeah. have, you're going to do what you think is going to help you. Yes, and you that's need. how we get there. And addicts. that's how we get it. Another mm -hmm. another reason for the for the um the crisis is that the post approval of of these drugs mm -hmm. is usually left up to the industry. 
Yes. Oh, not the regulators. Right. So they're regulating themselves. Yeah, they're, they're this, it's a self-regulating industry. Mm -hmm. And so that is a big problem. And then you have donations from opioid manufacturers to politicians mm -hmm. who continue to influence the policy of, of decisions. So money talks, yes. lobbying talks. And then you have politicians who are, are, are members of the FDA who mm -hmm. are working to regulate these drugs when they leave that position, yes, who they, they go and work for? The company. The so same company, that, you know, mm -hmm. that they were trying to regulate against. So it's it's a it's a revolving door that money is what spin things around. All right. And that's the problem. So the crisis, it demands a lot of urgent um uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's response. Yeah. The response has to be big and it has to be bold and comprehensive. It has to be unified, yes. it has to be all levels of government, it has to be the police, the healthcare system, well, the families involved, it has to be everybody, who, the teachers. Yeah, everyone. who's gonna who's gonna be the one to build the cap? <laughs> who's gonna be the one to do which politician has the you know? It's not about one person, though. It's a system. That's it's the a problem. problem. It's a system that's right? that's masked, and uh, with with the dollars coming, the big dollars coming in. I mean, and yet, stop? and yet, take the guy now who is uh, had a good job, mm -hmm. had a family, and now he's addicted. He's on fentanyl. Yes. Do you know what? They don't care about anything else in their lives except that next dose yeah. and we've listened to some of those people they said they will shoplift oh, they will yes. they've prostituted themselves yes. right it's really gone that's when they, they're really they gone tried to sell the dope themselves just to make money mm -hmm. right and they will do anything necessary they'll sell their grandmother to the drug dealer <laughs> Well, what, get the money for that next phase. Well, that brings me to the next next point here. Mm -hmm. In North America and parts of Europe, um, uh, I, I think uh, uh, Holland and, and Sweden and, yeah. and other parts of Europe, they have stations where these addicts can go and get medication, controlled doses. They have them Are they really? In, a, in, they in, have in it here in, in Vancouver. Yes. Right. In, and I think they have the it in, 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 yeah. in the states. And I think, yeah, I think they have it in Toronto as well. Yes. But yes. is it really addressing the problem? Is it really helping yes. them to to curve their addiction? Okay. The way the way I understand it is yes, mm -hmm. because they have done it, and then they do the pilot studies. Yeah. They talk. They look at the addicts who were who over the ones who have been over the, the, the rate of overdose mm -hmm. the rate of deaths mm -hmm. and they compare the ones who are on the street using the dirty needles yeah. taking the dirty water from the sewers yeah. wherever um or dirty puddles yeah. you know injecting it into their bodies they're when they compare those people to the ones that actually get the pharmaceutical grade Coke, um, fentanyl or whatever it is that they get mm. when they use that under control situations it actually helps but is it helping like okay it helps them because they need the fix yes but instead of getting the fix on the street they mm. get it under supervision and that cuts down on addiction but is that it, not, it doesn't cut down on addiction it cuts down on the overdose yeah but that is addressing the symptom 
that's not addressing that's the, right. the, the root cause of it. And that's how I'd right? like us to end the show today when we get to that point, which is yeah. coming up so quickly. Mm-hmm. We want to address the fact that what they're doing right now is not really working it's, because somebody can be in remission. Mm-hmm. It's like cancer. Yeah. You can be in remission for two years. Yeah. And then you go to some a party and you see and something there is a packet yeah. on the table yep. and you try Temptation. it and it's gone. Temptation. As if all yep. of that never happened. Yep. Right? That's that's, yeah. that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Because what happens is that when even, they say when you're overdosing, mm-hmm. they don't even know they're overdosing unless there's a friend. That's why coming back to what you were saying, the supervision sites are so important because there is somebody there to help. Now, let's talk about mm-hmm. convictions. Okay. Right? Um, this has been a, a problem in certain communities, various communities. There, uh, There's enough evidence to prove that some communities um, have been overly convicted mm-hmm. than others. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. About 401% of offenders, you know, are Black, while 39% were, are Hispanic. This is in, in the United States. Right, uh, white people accounted for a much smaller proportion of fentanyl convictions, at about nineteen percent. The current opioid epidemic—it's been described as a public health crisis. Yes. When a white face is involved, mm-hmm. right? When you come, when a white face is involved with this opioid uh, mm-hmm. pandemic, is a different approach compared to. Again, I go back to the crack epidemic that hit the black communities back in the nineties. And it was met with a an outcry, a war, right? That just that phrase, war against drugs. And it has such a devastating effect on communities rather than a compassionate um approach for the offenders. Yeah. Right. But and, but you know what, too? It's not just about the black and white case anymore. It's also a matter of the 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 rich and the poor. Yeah, because the because drug has never, the drug doesn't recognize. Uh, culture, race, creed, but religion, nothing. But expensive. Yes. Much more expensive than, say, crack was, right? right? And therefore, you need to have the money, first of all, to get into the addiction. Do you realize that a child can be, when a teenager mm-hmm. can be in their house with parents there mm-hmm. and they can order fentanyl and have it delivered? You're kidding. Yes, that is how bad it is. <laughs> Social media has helped. Yeah. As as we know, you know, you can order from China. Some, you can order, yeah. At school. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of kids who have the money to afford it. Mm-hmm. They're the ones. And it's therefore now no family, no family, not rich, not poor, not uh, racially, not religious. Anyone can be affected yeah. by this right now. Now, staying in the same vein, mm-hmm. we talked about conviction, incarceration, yeah. and overwhelming. You know, a, a lot of people went to jail for these, you know, for using these drugs. But mm-hmm. more overwhelmingly, the increase in 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 in, uh, in incarceration was attributed to the drug war, has disproportionately impacted Black communities. In 2011, Blacks were incarcerated in a dramatically higher rate than whites, about five to seven, yeah. right, higher. Mm-hmm. And accounted for almost half of all the prisoners incarcerated in the sentence. Sentencing was much harsher, 
right? When it comes to blacks and Hispanics. Yeah. But for both, most crimes, for yeah, drugs and other crimes. Both right? in Canada and the United States, yeah. right? And that is something that, you know, people I have been complaining yeah. about. And uh, I think it's beginning. Hopefully, I don't change. know the statistics right now, but mm -hmm. from what I have come to understand, it has affected these, you know, racial mm -hmm. communities much more than it has affected mm -hmm. something. Yes. Okay. Well, Frederick, you know what? We have not read any emails whatsoever. Okay. You want to take so a look at let's, that? Let's take a And then we're going to talk about education and we're going to talk about how, how, to, solve how to solve some of those issues. Right. There, right? there are some good news. Yes. Right. Okay. So that's where we'll come back to. Right. Okay. We'll start with our, one of our first emails was from Tammy on addiction. And she says, addiction, no matter what, is always an issue. Thanks for the topic today. And Tammy, Thank you again for always for tuning in almost every week. We love your emails. Right. And there's one from Kelly. Mm -hmm. Kelly says, hello to the Cox family. Love oh. liquid green. And thanks for that image. That's a lovely image. Looks and, very liquefied. Yeah, and thanks right. for reminding us that we are the Liquid Green Health Show and that we do this. Yeah. Not just about addiction, but for everything health. Yeah. Right. Everything health. And uh, Will, uh, not Will, sorry, um, Tim says that we'll be listening today. And uh, thanks for tuning in, um, Tim. Here's one from, uh, oh, oh, who's this? Who's uh, that, Mike? Yeah, that's Mike. <laughs> Hello, Coxes. What do I do about an addiction to your show? Just keep listening. That's all I can say. Keep that's listening. That's an addiction you don't need that's a cure for. That's a good addiction. For, right? You don't need a cure for it. Just make sure you're here every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. I try to encourage others to become addicts. All right? This is <laughs> yes. one thing where we want you to become seriously addicted. Here's, here's okay. another mic. Another mic has uh, written and says, Hello, Coxes. No joke here. Are liquid green products flammable? Thanks. Oh. Okay. There's no there's no uh caustic, no flashpoints, no what we'll do, we'll answer that in yeah. we'll write to him and let him know. Yes. That no, there is no flammable. But I can tell okay. you right up, there's no flashpoints. Yeah. No, you don't have to worry about that. There's one from Katie. No matter what the addiction, get help. Don't let it get you. Right. And that is so true. Get help. But you know what? Mm -hmm. A lot of these people that are on these uh substance, these synthetic substances. They they're looking for help, yes. right? And as I, as we it's said, the pain the problem Where, is the, problem? the pain is so severe, whether it's physical or emotional, is so severe that the only help they can get right now is a fix. Yes. So they're not addressing the, the root cause of the problem. What started it in the first place? Right. The and we're going to get to that. Loss, we, we have to yeah. address that. We have okay. a few minutes left. There's one from Anne, and Anne says, "Fred, you better be careful." Janet may have an addiction with skydiving in the, in the very near in the very near future. And, and follow up to that, Ray says that's true, huh? As long as you can afford to keep sending me, right? Ray says, Janet, are you serious? WTF? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Do you ask, have insurance? I ask the same question if if her will is is, is has been put together, right? Here's so, one from Frank. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Okay. What you were going to no, say? Go ahead. Go ahead. Frank okay. says, "Hello to the Coxes. Thank you for helping all of us with our addiction. We really, uh, how do you read that? We really all do have something going on, and we do. Yeah. But the thing is, most people will not become addicts. Although Anne says, "Hi to Janet and Fred. Drugs are bad, but so are bacon cheeseburgers, which are my addiction. And guess what?" That's what we talked about, <laughs> addiction to food, because the stuff they put in it, big 
causes you to become addicted. Yeah. But that's not the topic today, but and you're so right. I'm gonna read one from Beth here. And, mm -hmm. Beth, and Beth says, Fred is right about weed. Mm -hmm. It is it is on all of the government websites, weed, the THC in it, mm -hmm. long term uh does in fact destroy brain cells, right? Hippocampus. The hippocampus mm -hmm. and can also cause lung cancer. Millions of people that smoke grass every day have had lung cancer and they never smoke regular cigarettes. Weed can be bad like so many other substances. And we're not and disagreeing. We're not disagreeing that it's bad. Yeah. But in the range, I would rather my kids smoke weed than take fentanyl. Yeah. That's if, what if, my if, if I had if a that, choice, yes. If that was the situation. Yeah, that's it. Right? Uh, and Don is saying the politicians F everything <laughs> up for us. Screw them. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'll send this to my to my uh local politician. Local politician. Okay. <laughs> And uh, Pam says, I'm addicted to this. And, and is that there's an image. Oh, and oh. it's liquid. She's addicted to TV. TV. <laughs> I'm addicted to Netflix. Yes, okay. so many. So yeah. many. Um, so let's go back to what we were talking about. Um, we have, you know, boy, an hour really goes quickly. Huh? Yeah. We were we talking have? about incarceration here mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the, the rate of incarceration between yes. blacks and whites. Uh, and Hispanics mm -hmm. is so the good different. news. We're going to right. talk about the good news. Is there hope for these? Advocates? Well, first of all, education, yeah. right? We need mm -hmm. to talk about education. That is part of the good news because yeah. addiction training, it should be an essential part of all health professional education. And I think they're beginning to come around. They're beginning yeah. to understand. Look, yes. I think yes, it must ahead. not be a segregated thing. It must be included. Because all health practitioners need to understand that yes. this is something that needs to That's be taken true. care of. And I do believe that in most cities, in most jurisdictions, that the criminal justice system, they have to be, they have to understand that incarceration is not the treatment. Yeah. And even in Toronto, I know that they're looking at plans that if somebody is, if the cops are called to a mental health crisis situation mm -hmm. where it may be somebody who's bonkers or on drugs or whatever that it's the response cannot be the same as if you're committing a crime right and i, I think the training what? the training within uh the metropolitan toronto police services Changes. have really changed because remember police police are trained to arrest yes right and lay charges not to deal with drug situation overdose we have but most of the problem. people who are not most of, but so many of the people who are being arrested for these crimes yeah. are the ones on drugs because they need to do something. They don't have a job anymore, so they need to commit the crime in order to get the money to buy the drugs. Yeah, right. And that okay. that's a whole nother story here, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the public health community, I think that they should also work with the criminal justice system to move more effective people away from incarceration and like what you're, you're mm -hmm. talking about and towards treatment which is yeah, very very important is. right <laughs> so that is something that i i'm certain that they're working on it um they have done a lot of you know mm -hmm. they've made a lot of good strides yes. along the way now the good news here is that health professionals are now beginning to stay away from things like substance abuse, those terms, mm -hmm. and they're using things like SUDs, right, which is, which is substance use disorder, 
That's a new phrase they're coming into. And instead of talking about um, getting clean, right, or the dirty people, right, um, they're using different terms like recovery and relapse, right, which is which is a good sign. Yeah. Right. The and language, think, the language is changing. And I think they, they're also recognizing that there's a there's something called the Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm. And what that says is the more the person is devastated, mm-hmm. the worse off you are mm-hmm. is the more you will seek it out because you have no choice. And so when they bring up these uh, when they in the treatment mm-hmm. they're going to have to recognize that that is something that has to happen but that okay right? now the treatment remember i touched on it earlier mm-hmm. when i talked about um the length of time yeah that it takes for somebody really to recover to get clean it's i don't <laughs> think like they're saying okay some people are saying you know one year two year mm-hmm. But it's much longer than that because you can go into a relapse after 10 years. It's a change. Which means that they have not been cured of that condition. Exactly. And that's why you need the counselors. I know I'm going to bring my friend Dr. Barbara Stewart on Mm -hmm. soon because after this topic is going to be great. Yeah. Because people like her who are counselors, they talk about the grief, the loss. They get into the situation. What was the inherent cost in the treatment, first place? Treatment, in my opinion, has to be holistic. But you have to include the spiritual aspect. Yes. If you're gonna if you're gonna really heal somebody from this condition, mm-hmm. you have to take into consideration the spiritual approach to it. Which yes. I always say the mind has to be reconditioned. Of course. And guess what? I'm gonna agree with you. And I'm I'm agreeing with you, but it's bigger than that. Yes. This is one of the things I learned during the research, and I love it. It's called Nourish. N-O-U-R-I-S-H, Nourish. Mm -hmm. N being, you have to get out in nature. Okay. Yeah. Calm body of water, go into the forest, the trees, whatever. It What it does, it causes the release of the dopamine these are the things that you can get without being on drugs right it helps to reset those transmitters because there are three transmitters and i'm going to go through this very quickly gaba which is the transmitter for anti-anxiety okay it's the neurotransmitter that affects how anxious you are Mm -hmm. and then if that is low that is what's going to cause you to start worrying about everything right and will cause you to have to develop so much anxieties in life, which are some of the things that go back to the pain, right? Okay. Then there's serotonin, and the and which is um responsible, the neurotransmitter responsible. It that's the antidepressant. So when your serotonin level is low, that's when you're gonna crave the alcohol. You're gonna crave the drugs. You're gonna be happy. You're gonna be depressed, and you're gonna need the dopamine. Yeah. Because do- dopamine is the one that focuses, that helps you to focus on your motivation, right? So when we come back to the end, mm-hmm. to nourish, these are the things that will help you. The O is to breathe. Observe your breathing. Yeah. Take Meditation. a deep breath, Meditation. right? Yeah. And we're just going to rush through the rest of them because we have less than three minutes. The U is to unite with others. That's where the social, social. not just social media, but the yeah. real social interaction. Interaction with other the humans. Physical, yeah. The touching, the babies getting hugged, yeah. those things. 
The R is to replenish with food. Mm -hmm. And we have done a lot on this show right type of about food. the, yeah, the, the right gut type microbiome and eating healthy. Right it's so holistic, right? The I is to initiate movement. That was one of the first shows we did was an exercise moving. The S is what you talked about is the meditation. Be still, still and be know still that I am. And know that know I that am, I am. God, yep. right? Or I am. And lastly, the H is to harness your creativity. So get out there and do some of the things yeah. that will make you feel the good. Spiritual aspect, very important. So many of the things that end with ing, like skydiving, like your gardening, like your painting, your fishing, but not the ones, not the ings that end with drinking and smoking. <laughs> and there's another, there's another one that I haven't mentioned. Right. Or, of no, course, overeating. I just right? want to say, folks, we, we, we're right <laughs> into the final moment. There are approximately 25 to 30 million people who are in recovery in Canada, United States, and a lot more worldwide. But the problem is still growing. It's still growing. Though. People in recovery are heroes. you got to remember that. They have, been, uh, they have been able to rebuild relationships with people who they care for and who care for them. They've contributed once again to their communities and society and regain a sense of purpose and meaning to their lives. It's a long journey, but it's not a hopeless situation. So, folks, for those people out there who are seeking help, let's help them to recover because this is really a crisis. And, and with before, that... No, just before you yeah. go with that, there's a, there's a drug that we did not mention, Narcan. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that when they go to these centers, they actually give them Narcan because that will a quick help. recovery. It's a block. It's it a will, wall that stops yes. the fentanyl from going forward. It saves it's a lives. Blocker. It yeah, saves that lives. saves life. And with that, okay. folks, we would have to say we don't. We're out of time. You know, as, as I right. always say, we have three days worth of information to pack into one hour. So with that, I'm going to end the show by saying, good health is central to human happiness and well-being contributes significantly to prosperity and wealth and even economic progress. As healthy individuals, we can be more productive and may even live a little longer. So until next Sunday, same time, same place, same station, this is Janet and Fred Cox saying, let's, let's stay, stay healthy. healthy on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to The Liquid Green Health Show. With your hosts, Fred and Janet Cox, right here on Reality Radio 101.